like that, and so it was never used. But I did have, seven years ago, I got a practice on uh, preaching to an empty room. But what, uh, what a great time to be alive, where we have this opportunity, where we're uh, cooperating with uh, public health officials and not uh, gathering in large uh, groups, but that we can still gather house to house like the early church did in Acts chapter 2. It says they, uh, they gathered together in the temple to worship, but they also gathered house to house to, to worship, to break bread together, to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus and, uh, and to worship him and to encourage one another. And so I hope you're doing that cornerstone that I hope you are gathering home to home in your life groups, in your families, maybe extended families. So what we need to do is you need to take a picture and, and we want to see each other. We want to, we want to share, uh, well, we can't be face to face. And maybe this morning we're a little bit more intensely wishing we could be face to face in this room together uh, because we love that. I trust that in the coming weeks and months we'll be able to do that again. Uh, but take a picture and maybe text me. You can text that picture to me, email it to me. Uh, my number is 905-329-4713, kevin at cc.church.ca. Post it to social media with the hashtag Cornerstone Home Church. Uh, but let's see it. Let's see each other. Uh, so I'm, I'm expecting some texts to come in here uh, momentarily. Uh, to see you. So we are gathered together in one heart and one mind uh, this morning, intensifying our longing to gather face to face once again. And I want you to know something, Cornerstone, as we begin. I want you to know something, that God is still God. God is still God, and God is good. He's good. He's not surprised right now or shocked. He's not perplexed. He's not wondering what He's going to do. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he's still Lord of all. And friends, if you're a worshiper of Jesus, if, if you put your trust in him, you are in him. You're connected to him vitally. You are in Christ. And he's not going to leave you or forsake you. I'm not here to promise that you won't have trouble. Jesus, in, in fact, said in this world... You will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. And so uh, thanks for the uh, text there, Catherine, Rich, Piersma, Catherine Weens. I see you. Uh, we're worshiping together with you. Eric Dick, just got your text. That's awesome. God's not surprised. He is still God. What a privilege to be the church with you in this time. So how can we live life together as followers of Jesus with faith, hope, and love in this time? How can we live with faith, hope, and love in these days? Let's resist the urge to hoard, but rather let's embrace a lifestyle of generosity and simplicity in these days. You know what? There's all kinds of opportunities that are being created right now. I love that the texts are coming in. I love Jeff Martin's just texted from his car. He's driving home from Florida to spend the next 14 days in, uh, in self-isolation. Pat Household, see you. Uh, see you, Sharon, Austin. The Weenses, they're also down in Florida. My son Elijah texted me. It's great. Um, there's all kinds of opportunities create, created for us. I have all kinds of time on my hands now. My kids' hockey has been canceled. Professional sports, the, the only thing I watch on TV, canceled. 
And so we've got some time on our hands. And so my encouragement to us in this season is not to uh, turn our minds off and just binge watch Netflix or whatever all all the time. Let's press in relationally together. Be present with one another. Uh, There's going to be opportunity to be be more present with your, your, your neighbors on your street. There's going to be more opportunities created. Maybe the time that you would have spent uh, watching sports, like let's let's, uh, you know, dive into the scripture, dive into prayer. Let's dive into intimacy with God. Let's live a lifestyle that we call up. Let's let's live an in, a, a lifestyle that we call in together. Gather in your life groups. Check in on one another. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How can I pray for you? Check in on your neighbors. Check in on your colleagues. Let's be there for one another. And let us continue to live an out lifestyle as well. I want to remind you this morning of the need that we were made aware of last week. That might sound like... Uh, seemed like a distant memory a week ago. Uh, but we were made uh, aware of the plight of the Banya Malenge people, the people group in uh, Congo that our dear friend, Pastor Alexi of Shama Temple in Bujumbura, Burundi, uh, is a part of, and how his family and uh, the, the thousands of people there are being oppressed, forgotten. And, uh, and, and uh, we showed a video last week of Doug Hebert sharing the plight of the Banya Melenge people. And uh, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, you can, uh, you can, see, uh, you can see the video uh, there. It'll be just down two or three videos down below this one. Uh, when you log off, you can see Doug sharing the, uh, the, pledge, uh, the plight of, of this people group. And so we'd encourage you to give. Now, we're not going to be passing an offering plate this morning. But, praise Jesus, we do have online giving options. Okay, so if you can give to the, the collective mission of Cornerstone Community Church still as an act of worship, uh, we can, um, you can uh, give online on our website, ccchurch.ca slash giving. Uh, you, can, you can give online. You can text to give. Um, you text to the number 84321. Uh, followed by the uh, dollar amount. And that will go to Cornerstone's budget. And uh, if you would like to give to this urgent relief effort in Congo, you text a dollar amount to the same same number, 84321, followed by the words urgent-relief, urgent-relief with a dash in between. All right, so this morning we are still going to dig into God's Word together. We're going to dig into God's Word all right, I'm here uh, seeing, I'm seeing Vicki, Brian Rowan, the Ruddle Home Church, Chris Gillespie, Debbie, Treffs, alone, Ollie's here playing piano. I see my nephew Hudson texted me. Someone else did too, Erwin, Jared, thanks, Emma. Great, all of you watching. What a, what a, what a privilege to be together. Uh, I'm going to invite you to turn in the scriptures to John chapter 19. With this uh, season of Lent, the uh, often called the Passion Weeks, leading up to uh, our Easter weekend, Good Friday, uh, where we commemorate the death of Christ and the Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus. We have been looking at the seven things that Jesus said and spoke out uh, to various people from the cross. And two weeks ago, we, we began saying that Jesus speaks out the thing of first importance to his to those who were, who were uh, torturing him, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. This beautiful attitude of forgiveness, this beautiful 
a response of prayer. Last week we saw how, uh, encouraged by those words of Jesus, Father, forgive them, a thief who was being crucified right next to Jesus said to Jesus, Father, or uh, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today I say to you, truly, truly, amen and amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He goes above and beyond his request and says, you have eternal life waiting for you. You have eternal life waiting for you. The worst thing that could happen to you is crucifixion. And the worst, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you? Resurrection and eternal life. Take heart, Cornerstone, in this season, the very worst, your worst case scenario, individually, your worst case scenario, follower of Jesus, is resurrection and eternal life in a world of perfect love. That's all right. That's pretty good. Today, we're going to read the third thing that Jesus says from the cross, from John chapter 19, and beginning of verse 25. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here's your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. This is God's word. The disciple here is John, the author of of this gospel of John. He always refers to himself by this just beautiful title, the one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. That's his identity. John's identity is he's just one less loved by Jesus. And that's all of us, friends. So four thoughts this morning as we uh, engage with this text and reflect on these words of Jesus. Four four thoughts. The first is that Mary stands by Jesus. Mary stands by Jesus. While all of the other disciples had fled and abandoned Jesus to protect themselves, right? uh, In the Garden of Gethsemane, as uh, Judas leads this band of Roman soldiers, Uh, and come to arrest Jesus, Uh, it says uh, that they all abandoned him. They all abandoned him. That all of the disciples, uh, you know, turned tail and ran to save their own backside. One of them, even, it's probably Mark, because he's the one who records it, but doesn't put his name in it, uh, fled naked. Uh, One of the soldiers went to grab him, and his coat came off, and he's He's buck naked and he's running away anyway. And, uh, and all of his disciples had abandoned him. And in fact, earlier in John chapter 19, as uh, Jesus um, is before the high priest, he, he asks about his disciples. Where are your disciples? Don't you have any disciples? <laughs> as if to mock him, right? Saying, no one is standing by your side. But here at the cross of Jesus, we see Mary, his mother, Standing, standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother and three of her friends. You see, so often the connection between our greatest joy and our, is, is connected to our deepest pain. Our greatest joy and our deepest pain are often so connected to one another. Mary, Mary, the one who first planted a kiss on that forehead that's now crowned with thorns, the one who 
taught those little feet how to walk that are now nailed to the cross. Mary, her little boy, being crucified, being mocked and scorned. The crowds are mocking, the the thieves are taunting, the soldiers are indifferent, and yet she is standing. She's standing by him with courage. It's a fulfillment of a prophecy given to a man named Simeon. Simeon, you can read about this in Luke chapter 2. Simeon was uh, a godly man who was promised by God that uh, he would live to see the day of the Messiah coming. And as Mary and Joseph just nondescriptly bring Jesus, as he's eight eight days old, to the temple to present him to the Lord, Simeon is uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he takes up this boy, and he and he and he blesses him, and he says, "Father or Lord, now you can your servant can depart in peace, because my eyes have seen your salvation." And he and then in verse uh, thirty-three, his father and mother, that's Joseph and Mary, were amazed at what was being said about him. That's Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary. Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. Jesus will be opposed. And he says this, and a sword will pierce your own soul. That the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. Now, as we uh, dedicate babies, we never use this verse. (laughs) A sword will pierce your soul, mom. A sword will pierce your soul. But here is Mary, heartbroken. She's a widow. Joseph has died in the intervening years, somewhere, somewhere between Jesus, uh, when Jesus was 12 and 30 years old, Joseph had died. And she's seen Jesus opposed. Jesus began his, uh, his public ministry in, in her hometown of Nazareth. And you read about that in Luke chapter 4. And he, he stood up in the synagogue and said, the Messiah is here. And the crowd went to throw him off a cliff. Tried to throw him off a cliff. His, Jesus' family had think, thought he had lost his mind. Jesus' family had tried to manage him, tried to, to call him back, tried to... Rain him in, and yet Mary, she's seen all of it, and yet she stands by Jesus. Second thing I want to see this morning is that Jesus honors his mother. Jesus honors Mary. The Ten Commandments includes the instruction, honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the law for us. Jesus came to fulfill the law for us. He came to live it out perfectly. He came to obey in every way. He came to obey where we have failed. He came to live the life that you and I should have lived. And so here we see Jesus honoring his mother. Now, honoring your parents looks differently depending on your age and circumstances. So kids... What does it look like for you to honor your mother and your father? All right, Levi, Ben, I want you to listen carefully. Andrew, Elijah, listen carefully. It means obey your mom and your dad. Kids, Ephesians 6 says, 
Obey your parents. Obey them. But as you grow and you become independent, it doesn't look like obedience as much as it looks like respect. Taking care of aging parents. It means gratitude. It means love. Love your parents. Respect them. Honor them. And as they age, the responsibility to care for them becomes yours. Especially Jesus as the eldest son. And isn't it so beautiful here that as Jesus is on the cross, knowing his responsibility to honor his parents, he he gains this victory over, over the pain and suffering and caring for others. He honors his mother even while he is being tortured, even while he is undergoing excruciating suffering, Jesus honors his mother and provide and ensures that she will be taken care of. As he says to his best friend, John, his closest friend, John, treat her like a mother. Treat her like a mother. Care for her. Jesus doesn't think only of himself, but he honors his mother. We see Mary standing by Jesus. We see Jesus honoring his mother. Third point, third thought this morning is that John has returned to Jesus. John returns to Jesus. It's not spoken out clearly, but it's obvious. Matthew twenty six fifty six says that as Jesus was arrested, all of his disciples deserted him. They all deserted him. And we can relate, right? We can relate that in times of trial and testing, in times of fear, the temptation is to leave Jesus' side closely. In times of comfort, in times of success, it's easy to forget about Jesus. You see, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave, the Lord, I love. That's our experience. We are prone to wander, to wander from walking with as intimate friends as Jesus. We're prone to forget him. We're prone to take um, acknowledgement for our accomplishments on, upon ourselves. We are prone to, to fail to acknowledge God for his grace and his gifts, his goodness. We're prone to rebel against him, to go our own way, to do whatever's right in our own eyes. Each one of us are prone Maybe especially when the heat gets turned up. The heat gets turned up a little bit and your friends start to tighten the screws when they find out that you follow Jesus, that you're a Christian. Oh, no. I'm not, I'm not that much of a Christian. John abandoned Jesus in his time of need. He ran from him. As I said in John chapter 18, verse 19, the high priest asked Jesus about his disciples because it didn't look like he had any. One of the other gospels, it said, Jesus predicted, he says, tonight all of you will be offended by me. The word there is the same Greek word that we get the word scandalized by. Me. You're going to be scandalized by me. You won't stand with me. So, friends, have you ever wandered from following Jesus? Maybe you feel like, yeah, that's me right now. 
Maybe you've never even followed him closely. You don't know him as a friend. I love, I love this. Jesus, Jesus doesn't shame John. Jesus doesn't like rebuke him. He's not like taking him to task. He's saying, John, where were you when I needed you? Some faith you have, John. No, he doesn't. He doesn't look down on him. He doesn't, he doesn't shame him. He doesn't make, you know, a public spectacle of him. He gives him responsibility. He welcomes him in. He says, I know. I remember that you're weak. I get it. He's, Jesus' heart is just overflowing with grace to welcome back people who've wandered away from him. And I want you to know, whoever you are watching online here today, Jesus wants to welcome you home. And in fact, he's welcoming you into his family. And he wants to give you responsibility. He wants to give you a calling. He wants to give you purpose. He wants to give you a meaning in life to spread his life and his love throughout the world. And maybe you've wandered. Maybe you've never really been part of his, his crew. He welcomes you today. You're welcomed him today. And he wants to, he wants to give you responsibility. He wants to give you meaning and purpose and calling in this world to spread life and love. Perfect love that casts out all fear. And how needed is the love of Jesus in our day? Yeah, see, the New Testament says that there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. And so, friends, let's, in these days, in these upside-down, uncertain days, let's spread the love, not the fear. Let's spread the perfect love because we have an inexhaustible source of perfect love. We have that. We have an inexhaustible source of perfect love that will fill us to overflowing so that others can experience the perfect love of Jesus. And last thought is I want, to see, I want us to see Jesus trading places with John. Jesus is trading places with John. Jesus, as the eldest son, his role is to take care of Mary and gives that to John. John, as a sinful man, deserves death and the wrath of God for his sin, and Jesus takes that for him. And in fact, we see Mary joining the family of Jesus as well. Yet the manger, Jesus becomes part of Mary's family, but at the cross, Mary becomes part of Jesus' family. Because what Jesus is saying here is so intense. What Jesus is saying here is so beautiful. You know, you know, Jesus had younger brothers, right? He had other brothers. James was one of them. The, 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 the man who wrote the book near the end of the Bible that bears his name, James, was a half-brother of Jesus. He was a son of Joseph and Mary. But at this point, was not a follower of Jesus. Didn't believe in him. Thought he was crazy. What Jesus is saying is that the church is your family. That a stronger bond than your natural family is those whose devotion and allegiance to Jesus is shared by you. That's a stronger bond than your family. It doesn't mean that family is not important. 
It means this is a stronger bond. In, in Mark chapter 3, um, some people come to Jesus and he's kind of crowded in and, and they say to him, your, your mother and your brothers want to see you. And Jesus says, and he looks around to the disciples who are encircling him and listening to his teaching and embracing his teaching. And he says, my, my family, my brother and my mother is all those who put into practice what I teach. Jesus is saying, I'm here to create a family. A family that loves one another and cares for one another. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It's the end of bigotry and racism. It's the end of class distinctions and social standings. It's the creation of a church, a family, unconditional relationships. Maybe you're watching this morning and you're, you're probably sitting beside some siblings. And as you look at one another, and I encourage you to do that right now, just look at your siblings and say, I didn't pick to be your brother. I didn't pick to be your sister, but here we are. <laughs> right? We didn't, as siblings, you don't choose each other. And yet, unconditionally, you're bound together in family. And it's the same in the church. We don't choose one another, but we've been appointed. We've been chosen by God to be one another. And so we don't hit the eject button on each other when things get uncomfortable, when things get difficult, when things get boring. We don't just hop off to a next to another church family because there's something brighter, shinier, cooler happening. We're bound together as brothers and sisters. There's an unconditional relationship. And there's an intensity of relationship, right? What to your, your brothers and sisters as you grew up. If you had brothers and sisters, they know you better than almost anyone else. Because you can fake it out there for a while. You can fake it at school for a bit. You can fake it amongst your friends. You can fake, but you can't fake it at home. There's an intensity of relationship. That's why we encourage all of us to be engaged in life groups that are intensely relational. And guess what? It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be inconvenient. You're like, yeah, I know, that's why I'm not in one. It's going to be inconvenient, but that's why it's needed. We need time in each other's lives with people who are different than us, but who share a commitment and a devotion and allegiance to Jesus. So friends, this morning, I hope Jesus just looks so beautiful to you. I hope Jesus looks so precious to you right now. In uncertain times... How precious, how beautiful is the love of Jesus. We see Mary standing beside Jesus. And we see Jesus honoring his mother. We see John returning to Jesus without any rebuke, any shaming, any you know, laying the guilt on thick. We see Jesus welcoming him in and says, My son, take care of my brother. My brother. You're like, you're, take care of my mother. You're like a brother to me, John. And we see Jesus trading places with John, bearing our sin, bearing our sin on the cross, and then entrusting with us, to us the church, the new community he's building to spread his life and his love. If you're watching today, you're welcome. You're welcome to come to Jesus, put your trust in him to be the savior from your sin, the leader of your life, to join a church community. If you're not already part of one, Cornerstone is 
stands with our, our arms wide open. And Cornerstone, let's be the church together in these days. Let's be the church together. Let's love one another. Let's look out for one another. Look out, for, you know, check in with your life group. If you're not in a life group, Matt at ccchurch.ca. He'd love to help you connect you to one. We want to stand together. And we want to use this great opportunity that God's given us. We didn't ask for it, but he's given it to us. We want to use this opportunity to share the life and the love of Jesus far and wide. So let's stand together. Let's be together. And I invite you now to pray together with me. So Father in heaven, we praise your great name for sending your son Jesus. Jesus, we, we just, we're in awe of you. We're in awe of the courage and the love and the selflessness displayed even in this text. These simple words this morning. That you didn't think only of your own suffering. You didn't think about your own situation. But you, you gave of yourself to honor your mother. And you welcomed John back without shaming him and without heaping on any guilt. And you died for John's sins and you died for Mary's sins and you died for our sin. And you're making us into a family. And you're filling us with perfect love that casts out fear. And so, Holy Spirit, would you just fill each room that we're gathered in right now. Fill our hearts with joy and with love, with peace, with self-control, with patience, with generosity, with faithfulness. Fill us, Lord, and use us for your glory. In Jesus' great name I pray. Amen.